So, like, that's like a really creepy poem to me. I don't know. Like, everybody's, oh, it's the basement. No. Someone's getting eaten. Well, hello. I'm Patricia, and today I'll be hosting this, the 12th episode of the fifth series of the Haiku P podcast. Today I'm joined by Deborah Picologi, Joshua Gage, and Mark Gilbert, who've all been guests before, as well as Julie Bloss Kelsey, who is a debutante. They will be our community judges for this episode of Speculative Haiku and Senryu. Isabella Mori also has a nomination, but sadly wasn't able to attend the recording, so I'll read her nomination to you. Thanks, Isabella. Looking forward to the next time you're a judge. And speaking of judges, I could really do with more for August to judge the vulgar submissions. Go on, volunteer, I dare you. It should prove to be a laugh. Have you listened to Keith's workshop yet? Make sure you email me your thoughts on the question I posed. I have a couple of things to remind you about, and then we'll head off for some original poetry, starting with this month's Choices by Linda Ludwig from May's YouTube prompt. So first thing first, the big news. The Poetry Bee Journal is out. Please head over to the Poetry Bee website to download yours. The link for the journal is on the journal page and also in today's show notes. It really is packed with poetry for you to read. And if you're not sure you're in it, please refer to your acceptance email. It will say you're in Journal 122. And a couple of reminders for you. The submission period for Haibun is coming to an end. Your deadline is the 30th of June. Have you added your haiku or senryu to the comments section of the video prompt on Poetry P's YouTube channel? You have to be in it to be chosen. Same deadline, 30th of June. And last but not least, have you subscribed to that YouTube channel? It's absolutely free and there's lots of resources for you on there. I've been tidying it up to make it easier for you to find things. Because there's just so much on there now. So shall we hear some poetry? Linda, our YouTube editor, has read every poem and chosen these as her picks for the month of May. Thank you, Linda. It's no small task, and I greatly appreciate it. Because without your help, there would be no prompt. Melting, in her eyes a glint of spring. Keith Everts Age deep down furrows carry cold tears. Marilyn Ward Spring thaw, all the memories she buried. Reed Hepworth Winter drips, drips, drips to spring. Eyvonka Ettinger Another bumper crop of poetry. Thank you to everyone who joined us for the prompt. I hope you've written yours for the latest one. Now let's go to our original works and start with something a little different. Robert Horobin, one of the editing team over here at Poetry P, sent me a senryu. He used artificial intelligence to write it. Specifically, 
GPT-3 and DaVinci using tools provided by OpenAI.com. Okay, fair play means very little to me, but I'm sure Google will come up trumps if it doesn't mean anything to you. And if you can't find it, write to me and I'll pass your mail on to Robert, because I'm sure he'll be delighted to correspond with you. This Senryu was written in response to his question, Please write me Senryu about HAL 9000. As he says, it's always best to be polite to our future masters. A perfect servant until you ask him to lie. I'm sorry, Dave. Robert Horobin. With a little help from artificial intelligence. Cheers, Robert. Thanks for giving us something a little different to think about. And now we'll go to your original haiku and senryu, and we'll start today with a nomination for the judge's choice. Our first nomination from the judges is from Julie Bloss-Kelsey. Julie has not been on the podcast before, but hopefully this will be the first of many appearances. Julie, welcome to the Haiku P podcast. How are Hello. things? Things are going great. Thanks. <laughs> Excellent. So tell us, which of the Haiku or Senryu did you choose and why? I chose Robert Kingston's poem, and it reads, Sky Ladder, the devil's tongue licks the stars. Sky Ladder, the devil's tongue licks the stars. Now, I chose this poem in part because it instantly made me very uncomfortable. The whole image of the devil nipping at my heels, licking at me. I could clearly imagine the devil clinging to this ghostly ladder in space, uh, nipping at my heels as if I were a star. And it was truly terrifying. So that was my first reason for being intrigued by the poem. Although initially I read past it and I'm like, ew. And then I went back to it again and again. My first criteria for sci-fi coup is this. Does the poem happen away from earth? Or if it's set on earth, is the narrator a non-earthling or does the poem describe something otherworldly? And Kingston's poem immediately threw me into outer space with the devil gunning for me. My second criteria for sci-fi coup is does it work as a haiku? Does the writer tell the reader how to feel or is there a gap in the poem to allow the reader to experience the poem? And Kingston's poem definitely didn't tell me how to feel about this devil looking at the stars, but I certainly felt very strongly about it. And I feel that's the mark of a fine haiku. Now, in addition for this poem, and this was a bonus, this poem also reads well as a non-science fiction haiku. Your sky ladder in this poem could be a lattice for growing plants, and we could be simply looking at a devil's tongue plant at night. And the dichotomy between this very innocent read and my initial response really grabbed me as a reader. Commonly, the devil's associated with fire, the repetitions of S's in this haiku, in sky, devils, licks, stars, uh, really brought to mind these tongues of flame. And since the poem is set in space, the image led me to think of burning stuns, creation and destruction of stars. And that led me to the cosmic questions. You know, how did the universe form? Why are we here? 
Where do we go after we die? And I think these questions provide a great interpretation or way to experience the poem. I wanted to mention that when I read this poem to my husband, because I got very excited with doing this whole process, and I was very excited about this poem in particular, and he had commented that for him, the idea of a sky ladder brought to mind some of the science fiction ideas of building a launching pad to get spaceships into space. And he could visualize that pad waving in outer space and maybe catching on the light and looking like a giant, uh, like a sky ladder. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that was a neat interpretation. So sci-fi coup, in my opinion, and this is still under debate, but in my opinion, sci-fi coup can embrace science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And this little poem by Robert Kingston captures all three. It is truly otherworldly. Thanks, Julie. I think Debbie said to us when we were doing this that what we were aiming for were poems, like you said, science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Rob did all three. And I agree with you too, that great haiku don't tell you how to feel, but you feel nonetheless, don't you? I had such a strong response to it. And after I really thought about it, I really love it. Many thanks for that insightful analysis of Robert's poem. Cheers, Julie. And back to more original poetry. Climate bombs. The oil lamps are burning in the last temple. James Young. Tesseract. Conspiracy theorists discuss all the angles. Joshua St. Clair. Perpetual motion of crystals. A mass of time jelly, Kim Russell. Planetarium, she reaches across space to find my hand, John Hawkhead. Between stars, the unknown, unknown, Nika. On Jupiter, do wolves howl at all the moons? Pam Joy. Rusted saw, the teeth gaps filled with jawbone. Richard L. Matter. Supernovae, family matters reaching critical mass. Luminita Suze. Butterfly effect. A child blinks and leaves start to flutter. Srinivas S. Dark matter. Feeling his absence everywhere. Chris Dean. Contemplating infinity takes forever. Time for a nap. Diane Risker-Taylor Steam rises from the Earth's crust. Apple pie. Yvette Kolodzi Factory line droids. Between their hands, a spark. Tyler McIntosh Running late. I blame time dilation. C.X. Turner. 
Alderan. After the divorce. Silence. Jason Furtak. Multiverse. What do I do with so many lives? Minal Sarosh. Time machine. Narrowly avoiding my mother's womb. Ram Chandran. Only she sees rainbows in the android's magnetic field. Erica E. Benson. Paranormal traffic pileup. Paramedic watches newborn. Flatline. Gerald Sane. And so it's time for another of our judges' choices. Next up, we have a visitor we all know and love, Joshua Gage. We're going to be hearing from, from him again soon as he's working on a topic that I know will be valuable and I hopefully can record it ready for August. Joshua, I didn't get to the Haiku Society of America's conference this time. I was traveling again, but I know you were presenting. How did it go? Uh, it went really well. It is on YouTube. Just go to the Haiku Society of America's YouTube page. All of the presentations or lectures or readings were recorded. So those are all available online. But I had a lot of fun. We got a good discussion going and I thought it was very exciting. Excellent. Well, I will catch up with that in the next few weeks. I love the Haiku Society of America's conference and it's so good that they record everything. So we, if you you can't get there. Right. You can you can go back. Anyway, tell us which poem did you choose this time, and and why? So the poem I chose was uh, from Valentina Rinaldi Adams. Proxima B citizens report a UFO, Earthship One. Proxima B citizens report a UFO, Earthship One. What intrigues me about Rinaldi Adams' sci-fi coup is the hard science fiction of it. Many of the poems we could choose from were softer in their sci-fi or used the sci-fi as a metaphor, whereas Rinaldi Adams took a known scientific idea or concept and expanded it forward. Proxima B, also known as Proxima Centauri B, is the closest potentially habitable exoplanet to Earth. What Rinaldi Adams has provided is a first contact scenario between Earth and the citizens of Proxima B in nine words. It's a delightful moment, especially because it flips a lot of tropes. UFOs are usually aliens coming to Earth, not Earthlings going elsewhere. Furthermore, the word citizens in line one implies that these are humans already on Proxima B, but that's not necessarily the case. This is a very humbling haiku that puts Earth and Earthlings as the outsider and forces the reader to consider things from an alien perspective, which makes for a striking experience that resonates well. Cheers, Joshua. I, I didn't actually know that Proxima Centauri B is the closest habitable exoplanet to Earth. So a learning moment for me. And you're right, it, it was a humbling moment too. I think, uh, I think Valentina definitely gave Debbie, we shall see, the what-if scenario she wanted from us in our submissions this time. The what-if is definitely there. The idea, like, 
what if we could actually get to Proxima B? And what if there are already intelligent creatures living there that would yeah. identify us as, as other? And I think that's a really poignant and humbling moment for, for the readers. Thanks, Joshua. Right, on with the poetry. Wolf Moon. Only the sound of turning a grimoire's pages. Chad Lee Robinson. Post-noon session. The talk doesn't get past my force field. Ravi Kiran. Ravi, I think a lot of people have been in that position, don't you? Space invaders. Weeds in the seams of sidewalks. Steve Barr. At the end of the wormhole, a giant blackbird. Tony Williams. Highways. How I miss them adrift in space. Eve Castle. Time travel. Spinning through waves of sound. Catherine E. Winnick. Spring equinox. A double shadow on my wall. Jackie Chow. Expanding universe. Still no room for hell. James Crotsman. Quantum leap. Into the Ionian blue ice cream scoops. Diabat. 50th birthday. I celebrate it with my future self. Mona Betty. Extraterrestrial. All this conversation with Alexa. Nina Singh. Bedtime, I click my heart icon to recharge. Paul Callas. A time machine. A frog jumps in. A frog jumps in. Mark Brimble. Vulcan logic. It's so obvious now why you left. Wendy Ghent. No time before the time before. Cosmic Wind. Mark Forrester. The black hole in the black square. Generations lost. Natalia Kuznetsova. Putting on pants, three legs at a time. Tony Daly. Two minds. The alien leaves the toilet seat up. Kenneth Slaughter. The UFO on a lonely dark road. Cat's eye. Amrutha Prabhu. Light years away. You thought you were homesick. David Oates. And now for another nomination. 
Again, our next judge should need no introduction. Mark Gilbert is a regular contributor to the podcast. And of course, he gave a great presentation to us in series four, episode 17, if you want to have a look for it. The presentation was on long haiku. Mark, welcome back to the podcast. Who have you chosen and why? Yes, well, I've chosen this haiku by Satanya Rayana Chituluri. Lightning, the flash of fangs in the air. Lightning, the flash of fangs in the air. So this one really surprised me um, because uh, when I when I thought about it, I, I realized that it was really cinematic and visual. And it's a bit like a shooting script for a scene in a horror movie, actually, when I thought about it. I want to say that it is kinetic, but actually that's the wrong word because it's completely still. There's no movement in it at all. It gives the impression of, of movement, but there's actually no movement. There isn't even any sound. There was just this flash of lightning. And so when you experience the, the haiku, first there was nothing. There's just complete darkness. Then this flash of light, which illuminates some sharp teeth hovering quite near us. The light actually shows a lot of other things as well. But what we're interested in are the pointy tips of these teeth. And then a second later, everything is dark again. And so we, as the reader, add in extra details, or at least that's what I did. We sort of add in the sound of rain, perhaps, or thunder, because the thunder is going to come after the lightning. And maybe we think about a vampire or a werewolf. Maybe we imagine that we're in a forest or a park, or maybe this isn't frightening at all. Maybe we are aliens and this is more like a normal situation. You know, maybe we both have fangs. And so that turns it completely around into something else. But I thought the haiku was very cleverly done. It's simple, distinctive and quick. And uh, as I say, cinematic, which, which, I, li which I like. I would also say imagistic, but I, I think people have different views on what imagistic actually means. Yes, let's not go there, Mark. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I think agree. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. I think Josh and I may plan to do something about that next year. But to go back to this haiku, I thought it also played a little bit with our perceptions, just reading it to myself. Line, line one and three, lightning in the air, go together for me but the flash of fangs in the air doesn't compute. And yet, when you read it, it actually make, makes sense. I see what you mean, because I took the flash to be the, like the illumination of the fangs, rather than okay. a sort of a movement yes. of fangs. Yeah, you're right. Maybe but that's yeah, why it does it, compute. Yeah, okay. But it could, but I, but I agree there's sort of lots going on in here when you think it's one of these ones where I, I read it and then I sort of think about it and then go back to it. And then, you know, I sort of come up with all these different things uh, which are in there, but it's actually quite a short 
haiku. I know. It's great when you can read so much into it, isn't, isn't it? Mm. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Mark. And now we'll listen to a few more poems uh, before we hear our next nomination. Thanks, Mark. Lavender light through tiny windows. Strange voices on the radio. Robert Whitmer. A.I. Writing my new poems posthumously. Timothy Kremen. Trying to kiss her. Faint ripples of the deflector shield. Richard Tice. Three suns rising. Sometimes I long for my singular moon. Alan Peat. X-ray vision. He sees straight through my cloaking device. Tracy Davidson. Doomsday. My eye falls into a black hole. Lakshmi Aya. I think that one really needs to be seen on the page, so don't forget to check out the show notes and have a read of all the poems I read here today. First Light. My cat comes home from the mothership. Laurie Kiefer. Desert Stars. We open up the sunroof to look for UFOs. Bruce H. Feingold. The twin Geminids ride in tandem through the sky. My still black pond. Marcin Del Clements. What if horses could race around the rings of Saturn? Susan Andrews. Learning Betelgeusean. Impossible with only one tongue. Doris Lynch. Doris, I've probably messed up the pronunciation on that, so I apologise profusely. Approaching singularity, point blank, blank point. Sangeeta Kalarikal. Blue alchemy, a mermaid turns her tears to pearls. Kath Abella Wilson. Worst part, my prison cell's view of Earth. P.H. Fisher. Space Quest. The Martian's first encounter with on-street parking. Dorothy Burrows. Do you know what, Dorothy? My car has a program that allows it to park itself. But I'm, <laughs> I have tried it. But I'm much too frightened to try it too often. Galaxies far away. Up close between pushpins on a bedroom wall. Peter Jastermski. Man on moon. I still aim for the stars. Pretty Kular. Solar wind. 
another slave ship lands from Kepler-4b. Femi Akinyeli And now I'd like to thank everyone who supported the podcast with a cup of coffee, or ten, in the last month. Jason Furtak, Robert Horobin, Linda Ludwig, Kimberly Kuchar, Roberta Beery, James Crotsman, Keith Everts, Tony Williams, Shane Pruitt, Susan Andrews, Carol Judkins, and Anne Smith. And to everyone who donated to Poetry P when they downloaded the show notes, I'm very grateful, thank you. Mark Gilbert, Angiola Inglese, and Joseph Wexelberger. And there are some anonymous donors. I have no idea who you are, but I thank you all the same. Now people on the mailing list got to hear that the journal was out at the beginning of June. And to everyone who's downloaded it, whether on the mailing list or not, I thank you because every download really helps the podcast to stay on the road. And at the time of recording, I'm 15% of the way to reaching my latest goal, which is to give someone an internship and to help them on their way with their career. I thought that was quite a good way of spreading some love. So thank you for your continued support. And let's get back to some poetry, and I'll tell you who Isabella Mori has nominated for her Judge's Choice nomination. In the dark, the gentle rustle of your antennae finding mine. In the dark, the gentle rustle of your antennae finding mine. Adele Evershed And this is what Isabella had to say. Why did this haiku call to me right away and over and over again? Was it the four lines? While I'm a connoisseur of all things different, in this case it first almost made me skip it, especially since the shape looked a little like a tanker, short of a line. But then there was a but-wait moment. The words rustle and antennae stuck out. I've never heard an antennae rustle, and yet it immediately made sense. This is the stuff of haiku, using the sparsest of phrases and juxtapositions, such as rustling antennae, to bring together new thoughts, feelings, images, and curiosities. Google tells me that antennae are sometimes used in mating. There's just a touch of possibility for that here, but we don't know. Another thing I'm looking for in haiku. I want possibilities, not certainties. What I do feel is tenderness, encapsulated in the words gentle and finding. This is not a stalking, it's a coming together. I also enjoy how I'm teased to speculate. Are these anthropomorphized insects? Intelligent insects? A new insect-human race? But going back to the four lines. I wouldn't want any of the elements to go, 
For example, leaving out in the dark takes away the mysterious feeling. Thus remains the alternative to combine lines, most likely lines two and three. But that would turn it into a shape that feels loud, losing the intimacy of this beautiful haiku. No, it's just right the way it is. Thanks, Isabella. So, shall we continue with some more original poetry written by you? Gibbous Moon The Transformation Goes Awry Joanne Morecambe Eyes of a Child Their Play-Doh Spaceship Across the Multiverse Charles Harmon Now I'm of an era I can remember Play-Doh. I can remember the smell of it too. And the, the colours and the feel of it in your hands. Charles, thank you very much for that little reminder of my childhood. I guess you could have used it in the memory podcast coming up next month. But I'm delighted to have it here. Halfway to Alpha Centauri. Where's my wallet? David C. Kopaska Merkel Body expires. Uploading consciousness to the collective. Elancharan Gunasakaran In the joints of the old launch pad. Forget-me-nots. Richard Magahitz Lunar Ghetto. They house us on the dark side. Jonathan Roman. Orbits cross again after a thousand years. You're still upset. Gabriella Renzi. Fangs sprout. She asks, your place or mine? Dennis Moresby. In vitro veritas, I dislike my clone, Keith Evitz. Crossing Mars in rover vehicles, red seas parting, Douglas J. Lanzo. Lunar roller coaster, standing the whole way with silent scream, Gregory D. Lanzo. Trying to explain the taste of snow. Nuclear winter. Liam Maguire. Asia dawn. In our window, a flutter of holographic birds. Nick Hoffman. Holodeck reunion. She finally gets the last word. Lorraine A. Padden. Bouncing from star to star, pinball wizard, Ronald K. Craig. Ronald, he's another one that could have gone into the memory podcast. I wonder, did you have the song Pinball Wizard by The Who running through your head? 
Quantum Leap. Sometimes the cat survives. Robert Horobin. Just out, my custom-made baby doesn't cry. Vandena Parashar. The doll's eyes follow little Flossie's every move. Linda L. Ludwig. Now, Linda's is another poem that you really should go and have a look at on the show notes. Post-mortem, she asks the pathologist to cut her gently. Milan Rajkumar. Vampire sightings. We add garlic to the list. Tina Mori. In the throes of a night hunt. Poppy seeds. Debbie Olson. Sailing on delta waves. Cryosleep. Marielle Herbert. Midday sun in a deserted station. Triffids popping up. Daniela Miso. Full moon nights. Scarecrows come alive in the house of grains. Christina Chin. If only my window were a spaceship window. Saucer Magnolia. Deborah P. Kaloji. Knife in hand, the shadow looms. Blood moon. Soretta Martin. Coyote howls and dozens answer. Tasting my scent. J.L. Huffman. Muskmelon. The powdery feel of his dead hand. Denise Dumas. Doomsday, the speed of darkness in our veins. Goran Gatalicha. Leaf blowers, battle cry of the four horsemen. Lee Hudspeth. Memories, drinking dandelion wine to pave a new path. Sarah Mahina Calveo. Limgrave, on the moon of his sword, my life's blood. Ash Evan Lippert. Light rain on Snow White's coffin. Third Covid spring. Mimi Ahern. Listening at dawn, the griffin keepers whistle in the fog. Deborah A. Bennett. Visiting the human zoo, who's staring at who? Claire Ninham. Mad tea party, holding cups to celebrate our unbirthdays. Christina Povero. Close to light speed, the view from the window barely changing. Mark Gilbert.
Slight of mind, out of nothing he summons the fire. Isabella Mori. Machines buzzing, the see-through womb silently assembles life. Eva Pollack. And now for our very last poem of the day. Our last nomination is from Deborah Picologi, who, of course, gave the presentation in the first place, the one that you all listened to or you all watched before you wrote your submissions. Debbie, welcome back. What did you think of the submissions we chose? Oh, thanks, Patricia. It's great to be back. I enjoyed reading through them. I was simply satisfied with all of the poems chosen. Um, the one that stood out for me after going through them several times, at first seems very simple and maybe just science, but then I looked at it in a different way after I read it. But in this poem is by Kristen Blessing. Lunar eclipse, we cast our shadow on another world. Lunar eclipse, we cast our shadow on another world. There is something eerie and mysterious about a lunar eclipse when the earth comes between the sun and the moon, casting its shadow across the lunar surface. At its totality, it turns red, hence the name Blood Moon. I was originally drawn to this poem because I've always loved to go out and look up at lunar eclipses. And at first it seems obvious, we have the earth casting our shadow on the moon. But then in the last line, our shadow is cast on another world. And as I sat with that revelation for a while, I started thinking of future space colonies and how the arrival of humankind would forever change a colonized world. I pondered what our exploration of Mars has been like with all sorts of rovers and landers starting to make their mark on the landscape. And I thought of the British colonization of the East Coast, the Spanish colonization of California, and the United States becoming a nation and expanding West what that has meant to native peoples, what the introduction of old world plants and animals has meant to native plants and animals of the new world, yeah. what this overwhelming desire to seek out and explore strange new worlds has always meant to the places being explored. I also thought about what might happen when we travel to a planet around another star with other inhabitants and what sort of shadow humanity might cast there. The blood moon of a total eclipse, lunar eclipse, also subconsciously evokes bloodshed and lives lost during colonization efforts, whether through force or disease. At its best, Speculative haiku can be read at different levels, is relevant to the reader, and could cause the reader to pause and think, imagine what-if scenarios. This poem accomplishes all of this for me. Debbie, this one and Josh's one were really interesting 
for me because I think all of us here today probably either have ancestors who were great explorers or have been explorers ourselves and potentially have bred the next generation of explorers. I know that's that's certainly the case with my family. And so it felt apt for me that Josh chose the poem that he chose and that you chose this one. And of course, we end today's podcast with it. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you. Well, that really is it for today. My thanks to all of you for sending in your poetry. For everyone who listens, it's always very nice to know I'm not on my own. Thank you. Do send me an email just to let me know what you thought. Thanks to all the editing team and to my community judges. And of course, Deborah Picologi, who came along not just to judge, but who gave a wonderful workshop. So we knew what we were doing. Thank you, Debbie. Don't forget all the reminders I gave you, all the submissions that need to be sent in. And don't forget to join me next time. But of course, before we get to that podcast, there'll be a Poetry P reading. And next time on Poetry P readings, I'm going to be joined by Michael Dudley, who's got so much to tell us. When I was editing, I really needed my notebook to hand to write everything down. So, lots to look forward to in the immediate future. And I look forward to your company again. But until then, keep writing. And of course, if I've missed anything out, which is quite possible, do let me know, because there's quite a bit in the show notes. Ciao!